between me Let's talk about you and me Let's talk about all the good things And the bad things that may be Let's talk about sex, Jamie Let's talk about you and me Let's talk about all the good things And the bad things that may be Let's talk about sex Hey guys, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex Jamie. I am Jamie and today I'm chatting to Elle about emotional maturity and we talk a bit about sex addiction and stuff like that. I had a lot of fun talking to Elle about those and also chatting to one of my favourite people to talk to, Tim from A Very British Sex Shop, which is a documentary on Channel 4 about the sex shops that he and his partner Calandra run. It's really good, you should you should definitely watch it. Um, you might have heard him on some episodes before, you bloody should have because uh, he's really cool and talks about really interesting stuff and yeah i hope you enjoy it and uh, let us know if you did on the instagram and all that stuff and yeah love you bye hey Al. hey jamie how's it going it's going good how are you i'm all right pretty good yeah not bad I'm still in lockdown as we all are but yeah apart from that pretty good um, so you wanted to chat to me about um, some thoughts you had on sex addiction after yeah. hearing me waffle on about it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what did you want to talk about? Um, so I just found it interesting. I think firstly, what piqued my interest was hearing it from a man's perspective. I just, that isn't a conversation I've heard men have before. Mm. So openly, um, yeah, I think it was nice to hear a man talking about sex in a way that wasn't like oh I fucking love sex I'm such <laughs> a, you know all of this kind of thing it was yeah. like it was just a lot more real and I did also identify with some of the stuff you're talking about in the sense that like using sex as a way to make yourself feel better you know mm. and how it can almost become a form of like self-harm because you're not enjoying yourself and you're putting yourself in like not very good situations sometimes and yeah that was just something I could definitely identify with yeah definitely I think that's that's the number one thing that I've sort of heard back from people since since releasing a couple episodes talking about it is a lot of people relate to what I'm saying which is great for me because that is kind of the point of me talking about it because I don't want to talk about this shit. This is really personal and horrible stuff, but I think it's important to you because, um, <laughs> yeah, like you say, um, sex addiction isn't talked about enough and it definitely isn't talked about from a guy's perspective enough. The only time it really is is like it's kind of a, you know, it's Russell Brand talking about it. Right. It's, it's a bit of a joke. It's a bit of a, a stand-up thing. Nothing against Russell Brand. I think he's brilliant, um, especially the way he talks about addiction and, and stuff like that now. But yeah, it's sort of seen as like, a, oh yeah, every guy is addicted to sex. Every guy loves sex. Yeah, and it's crushed off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's really important to talk about. But yeah, the the thing that you said about, you know, relating to it sort of to sex being something that makes you feel good is definitely something that I think more people need to be aware of. And just it just needs to be kind of a conscious choice of, you know, maybe maybe some of us should stop and think like, why am I pursuing sex with this person? Like, do I really want it? Is it going to be really good? You know, or am I just doing it for some sort of validation? Yeah, it can be very self-sabotaging. You know, like it's okay to enjoy casual sex sex and to want that for yourself but if it's all well and good when it feels great in the moment but if as soon as you come home you feel like absolute shit then you're self-sabotaging as soon as you leave the door as soon as you yeah, leave the house that was in yeah <laughs> as soon as you pull your pants up <laughs> but yeah no that's when it's that's when it's an issue and it becomes mm. yeah it's harmful to yourself there's definitely like an underlying reason as to why you're doing that and sex probably isn't the best way to heal yourself mm. almost like you're re- like you're abusing yourself it's definitely yeah it definitely goes into the realm of self-harm i think 
I know I was there in my in my darkest points. I I was definitely there where things are going. And I, I seep into it nowadays as well when things are going really badly, and I think I'm thinking really low on myself, or you know, self esteem is at a proper low. Then my brain instantly goes to, oh, I'll just have sex. Right, it's like a quick fix. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which isn't good. Um, because you know if you would put it in the same realm as having a drink and someone said that to you you know i'm feeling really low i'm just going to go and have a drink right. you know you'd be like they'd be like whoop, whoop. they'd be like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so i just think um sometimes not all the time because you know people can have casual sex a lot of casual sex and it'd be completely healthy and cool and fine and they're doing it for the right reasons that's totally possible but yeah i think we should just be a little bit more aware that sometimes it, it's not all that you know yeah and i think it definitely happens a lot more often than we like to think about because we we people aren't talking about it enough you know and again it comes back to this whole thing with men where in a way you're probably encouraged and uh, validated for behaving like that yeah, and it definitely. kind of you know it makes like what what's happening it makes it hard to realize like this is a problem if everyone around you is making a joke about it and like slapping you on the back like very well done you just got laid again yeah um so it I imagine it's harder for men to see it as an issue and to and then to take the next step and open up about it and get help for it, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I don't tend to hang around with many guys in life. I don't have many, many male friends, but the few yeah. that I do, the few that I do are definitely like back, you know, before, before I kind of realized that this was an issue for me, they were definitely encouraging. And, you know, and it was definitely a bit of a um, kind of, oh, that's Jamie. He's the one that, you know, yeah, it sort of like, like toxic masculinity, doesn't yeah, it? Definitely. Yeah, um, definitely. And I think it's interesting how that can really present itself differently in women in the sense that, you know, we are doing it for the same reasons but because of the way women are viewed in society you know we're viewed as we get fucked we don't fuck men like we're the ones that receive the fucking and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's still I was thinking about this and I was like no in a sense it, it's exactly the same because I'm still when I was in that headspace of I'm using sex as a way to make myself feel better in a sense I'm still using whoever I'm sleeping with you know yeah. just the same as a man can use a woman for the same reason Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter what the dynamic is. No, for for women, it's viewed so differently. It's like, a, oh, you don't have self respect. You're letting people use you. Um, that kind of thing. It's just very interesting how the exact same symptoms in the two different genders, it's labelled so differently by society. Definitely, yeah. I think that the one thing that's kind of in common, but you know, between all genders, is that sex makes us feel good, right? It makes us feel good, and it makes us feel validated and wanted. And that's 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 something that. Every everyone probably everyone can say about sex is that you know part right, of the, yeah. part of the goodness is the, the validation um and that kind of transcends all the genders i think yeah. um but yeah you're right i think if if a girl was suddenly sleeping with five guys in a week her friends might say something um if yeah. a guy does it their friends would be like we and right. you know um, yeah yeah. So what kind of impact do you think this might have had on your life in, in the past? Because you mentioned you might you like sort of saw yourself going down those kinds of, you know, habits. Yeah, so I, I was definitely, yeah, I was using just sex and like just general attention from men as a huge sort of feel good thing. It was just all about validation. And I wasn't choosing, I wasn't spending time with people who were good for me at all. I didn't even know how to spot the signs of someone not being, you know, good for me. 
So what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like define quickly, like not good for you. So just like emotionally detached, uh, emotionally immature. Yeah. Not aware, not awake, like that kind of thing. Okay. They just go through life and do what, do whatever they do to make them feel themselves feel good in the moment. And right. whoever, you know, whoever is in their way just sort of probably will get hurt. Yeah. Kind of. I think that I mean you're basically describing fuckboys. Uh, I think that um, in small in small doses, like, and if everyone's on the same page, that kind of mentality is okay and it, it can work um, as long as everyone's on the same page. But yeah, what I what I often hear when people give other people that description is that it was kind of a one sided thing and and they weren't kind of open about their you know detachment from emotions because you can have you can have great relationships with people that have no emotions and are like of course just physical. But you know what I find usually with people who aren't attached to their emotions is they don't know how to have a conversation about that they don't have the emotional capacity or maturity to open up dialogue about that because they're usually really insecure and they they don't want to tell someone that they're emotionally attached because then that person might not want them Mm. so they'll put on the the act like that i'll treat you well i'm really charming everyone really likes me and then you well took me like ages because i look back on it and i reflect on it and i'm like oh okay they were actually a really toxic person yeah but yeah it's just really easy to fall into that trap um especially like i'm just i've been trained i'm a girl i've been trained from such a young age to view male acceptance as like oh my god that's the best thing ever like i'll do anything to get it you know i'll revolve my entire life around being validated by men yeah and so sex was a really easy way for me to do that definitely um, yeah I, I ended up my counselor ended up making me do i forget the actual term i think it's called like historic therapy or something like that where basically you look back at your childhood when people think therapy they think of this kind of therapy which is like so what did what was your relationship like with your mom okay, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah right. quickly just on what you were saying a big part of where my addiction probably came from was yeah how much kind of value my dad put on girl and it was you know if if I went to the park to play football with my mates for a couple hours and came back he'd be like oh where you been you around a girl's house over here and it was that kind of like and it's all harmless he doesn't mean anything by it but yeah exactly the same as you like from a young age it was like yeah. it's it puts, valuable it, if you're with girls in your head, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think again this is it, it comes down to this whole toxic masculinity because we do that to boys we you know we they'll hit a girl on the playground and we'll be like oh you fancy her like stop flirting with her and like it's just sort of ingrained into us like to, to a boy to talk about girls and girlfriends from a really young age and vice versa you know girls are taught to just sort of put up with like really shitty behaviour from, from boys in the name of love love or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah and i just think it makes for a fucking disaster like when we're you know when we're adults and we're all sleeping with each other it's like no one knows how to treat each other nicely yeah it's crazy yeah definitely and i think of all the people that i've met that have good communication skills are in touch with their emotions and and can have more skills to sort of build healthy relationships with people they have all come from a history of being hurt like it it, yeah. it takes that to, to learn you know like I fucked yeah. up my more than my fair share of relationships and now I'm getting okay I think but like yeah. everyone has that history of pain and like I yeah. can't remember the, I can't remember the last girl I was in a relationship with who hasn't had like a you know a fucked up ex or a really you know toxic relationship in yeah. the past um, and I do think that unfortunately <laughs> I think that's the way to learn you have to like um, yeah yeah, yeah. It's because I think it's so rare that like any of us 
at this sort of time in history and the age we are, I don't think many of us had upbringings where we were taught things like emotional regulation and how to feel good alone by ourselves and how not to take things personally from other people and just basic like social skills like that. We're taught to like take offence to everything and see everything as like an opportunity to get some validation and just all of these like messed up sort of little social things. I think we're getting better at that. I, yeah, I think because we're, we're teaching right, yeah. ourselves. We've got the resources now to teach yeah. ourselves. Also, also, our kids, like the stuff I see, um, you know, being taught in schools now is that they're a lot more aware of, you know, like emotions and, and yeah. they're, te- they're definitely make, there's a big push to teach boys, you know, it's okay to be sad and to talk about your feelings, wow. like that, which is something that we never had. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And that's what I've got a lot of hope for that because I really want to see how that, you know, changes society in like 20 years when these kids start coming out of school and I, I i genuinely think like you know our our kids and our grandkids will have like there'll be a lot more open relationships there'll be a lot more polyamory there'll be a lot more like mono- happy monogamy yeah secure. I, I reckon the divorce rates will go down because we the divorce rates for our generation are super high and i think part of it is what you're saying is like you know we're, we're forced into this mold of like boy girl monogamy heterosexual relationships yeah, yeah. man in the house don't talk about your feelings yeah, yeah i think yeah so i think i'm looking forward to seeing our grandkids and the statistics because <laughs> I, I think say, hopefully it's gonna it'll be, be such a fun world to live in honestly hey tim Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, very good, man. Nice to be yeah. uh, talking with you. I've heard the podcast many times. I think it's great. Amazing. And uh, yeah, nice to be on. Thanks for asking me. Oh, pleasure. It's been uh, it's been too long. I've been trying to get you on for ages. Um, I spoke to your partner, Calandra, a while ago. Yeah, my lovely wife. Uh, yeah, about all the um, all the Brighton sex shops that you that you run, all that stuff. So I wanted to talk to yeah. you about that for a bit, if that's all right. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So why don't you give us a bit of background then? So where are you from? How did you fall into this industry? Because you've been around for a while, right? I've been around within the industry for something like 30 years, something mm. like that, maybe maybe longer. I kind of grew up in central London. My father worked in and around central London. Uh, okay. I wonder where the accent came from. Because you're, you're in Brighton now. And I was like, why has he got a similar accent to me? He's not from Brighton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not from Brighton. I've been, <laughs> here, 20, I've been here 20 years, but I grew up okay. in, in central London and right, went yeah. to school in London. And my dad used to work in and around West End, central London. And okay. I used to go around with him and he'd be sat in his car. I would w- look at all these these crazy kind of old school sex shops in, in yeah. the in the mid, principally this would have been around, you know, late 60s, early 70s. I used to look at these, these, these crazy shops that had these kind of plastic kind of curtain doorways that yeah. these shady guys would go in and out and flashing lights and sex yeah. and I was kind of it kind of appealed to me from a very young age yeah. um, so I was really fascinated by what when I used to love Soho as a child I still yeah, love yeah, Soho yeah. now even though it's very different to what it was back mm. in the day but um, always fascinated by what went on in, behind those little plastic curtains yeah. when I was old enough I got into one probably I wasn't old enough I was too young <laughs> to be in one but they didn't really care they really care and then I met a guy called David Sullivan in the early 80s who is yeah. you know in West Ham Football Club now and I met him in, in a nightclub in central London I was in my early 20s yeah. he was a millionaire sex shop owner right. I kind of got pally with him and thought 
you know, this is an industry that I've always been fascinated by. Yeah. And this is what, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I dived into it at that point. And I was basically, was, I was in the mail order sector um, in, the, in the sort of late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. So we were selling magazines and contact magazines and all that kind of stuff. You know, I worked in with the shops in Soho. I was, I was a wholesaler for a lot of the kind of unlicensed, those, those dodgy shops that I used to love as a child. I was then... <laughs> working with and so I provided and supplied them with a lot of products that they were selling and then when I moved to Brighton 20 years ago there was a big change happening at that time and that was pornography was becoming legal in the UK and that was a kind of a landmark moment where up to that point anybody that had been involved in that industry were kind of bootleggers it was very wild it was a very wild west industry okay it was no one really owned the copyrights for this content in England copyright yep. the content was illegal so it was very shady it was yeah but there was there was change happening and that change was the legalization of hardcore pornography in the uk and so with that what they did is they said well if we've got this product that you, you're going to sell which is was illegal now legal how are we going to license that so they said well we're going to license shops to sell this legal now product yeah so at that point i just moved to Brighton, and i just thought right so all the people that up to that point had had these illegal shops so to speak were now applying for licenses yeah to become legal so it was basically it was coming from under the counter to very much over the counter yeah, yeah. On, on display yeah. so i came up with the concept of taboo which is by brighton station i thought right well, we're, i'm going to open a shop but it's not going to be like one of these seedy old shops it's going to be female friendly this is yeah. the way forward with this industry it's got to be clean it's got to be cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Be fe- so, when, hey, what year, so what year was that so that was 17 years ago Wow, that was that's really forward thinking then, because you'd think like yeah. you know female led, female focused sex shops. I would have said it'd come around like the last sort of five six years. Absolutely, it was very groundbreaking at the yeah. time. So we opened Taboo. Female, we also had female staff and couples used to come in, and we were still selling that product. We were still selling. Well, it was VHS. It wasn't even <laughs> DVD. <laughs> it wasn't even DVD. It was still yeah. VHS at that point. And people would come into the shops and is this is this real? They'd like they point right. at the box and say, is this actually in the film? Because up until that point, there was a lot of shops that used to kind of rip off the customers. Oh, uh, okay. And they would they would come in buying what they thought was porn. Yeah. And they'd get home and they'd put the tape in the machine and it would be like countdown or celebrity <laughs> squares or something like that. And then they'd go back to the shop and go, excuse me, I think you must have made a bit of a mistake here. Like, oh, yeah. sorry, mate. Sorry, here's another one. They'd give them another one to go home. It'd be University Challenge. <laughs> and then, so they basically worked on a concept that where would you go and complain? Yeah. That yeah. you have been sold something that isn't, isn't fit for purpose or basically not porn. Yeah, and yeah. no one would complain about it. Yeah. So the 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 punters, so to speak, the customers who had bought this previously were kind of got used to being ripped off. So yeah. they 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 were they couldn't believe at that point that this was legal and this was real. Right. Yeah. So that's what started, and and we we sold huge amounts of it, and and when we still do to this day, to be fair, you yeah. know, we still we still VHS sell, or. Uh... <laughs> No, DVD at the moment <laughs> still. Uh, we still, and in fact, after within you know, a couple of years of opening Taboo, which had been 17 years ago, everyone was saying when the tubes uh, site started, yeah. the internet tubes start free, this free content was yeah. available. They went, oh, it's going to be the end of retail DVD market. Yeah. This will be done within five years. And it, it dipped a bit yeah. when the big ones like the Porn Hubs and the X Hamsters started. It did dip a little bit. Yeah. But then people then came back to the shops and started buying still the content on DVD. Uh, okay. Why do you think that is? You have geek porn collectors. You yeah. know, so you have okay. people that come in and, and want to buy the actual DVD. They want it in the box. 
They also don't want it on their search history, maybe. They don't like... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. You know, there might be all kinds of reasons why they don't actually want to have it actually on their computer. Yeah. They, they're just wary of, of malware and stuff yeah, like that. Okay. So there is still a market for DVD yeah. hardcore porn buyers. That's quite, an, that's quite an alien concept to me. I've only ever watched porn online. The idea yeah, of putting yeah. in a DVD and sitting down and watching it seems a bit weird. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, guess, I must say yeah. that we, don't, we probably don't sell to anyone under the age of 50. Right, okay. You know? I mean, yeah. we don't get young guys coming in. I mean, I've got a whole thing I could talk about about the access to porn with young right. men and all, yeah. online and all that which I feel very strongly about yeah. but generally we don't sell movies I mean in fact you know a, a friend of my son's came into one of our shops a year or two ago and he, he looked at the DVD and he, he couldn't comprehend that why someone would buy this thing yeah. he, just was, he just didn't even think it was available right yeah. um, so obviously the demographic that we're selling to is a dying market right Yeah. they are 50 odd now you know they're, they're older guys and couples as well buy it you know it's not just a predominantly a male thing but yeah, so it's, there's still a very big market for it. But obviously, yeah. you know, I've got lots of thoughts about, you know, the access to pornography for young men. I think it's quite, I think it's actually quite detrimental. And yeah. It worries me deeply because, I mean, I think that the one thing that we have to do, and licensed shops anywhere in England, if you have someone walking, you know, we are licensed. We have to go through various police checks. Um, it's a bit similar to a pub license, like a liquor license. So, right. you know, we can't have any yeah. criminal convictions. We have to comply with certain laws, opening yeah. hours. So you have to ring a buzzer to come into our shop that's licensed. Oh. Okay. And if we someone walks in who we think it looks anything like underage, we will ID them. Yeah. And you have to do that. So you have to make that effort to come to us. And I think that is great. I think porn in this right place at the right time mm. is good. It can be healthy. Yeah. But I think, you know, for young men to be able to access it, particularly if they've got an older brother who, who is, at, you know, 13, 14, and they're seeing it when they're maybe 10 in their, years old in their bedroom. Right, I yeah. can't believe that we have to comply with the rules and the regulations of our, of our shops, which is fine. Yeah. But the fact that young people can access it so so easily yeah. I find really really disturbing yeah sure you know I'm, I'll tell you your, your listeners I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug right. addict for example yeah. I've, I've been clean and sober for many years okay. that doesn't make me say that I think alcohol is bad I think alcohol is right, bad yeah. you know in moderation with the right yeah. person and I think porn in the right hands is okay yeah. In moderation, you know, and um, but it's like anything when it when it tips over the edge and it becomes troublesome, uh, whether it be you personally or in your relationship or whether that's when I think it has a very much a detrimental effect. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting that, yeah, you, you are sort of your first hand experience is that there's a lot of sort of loops to jump through to be able to, you know, give someone porn. man. Huge yeah, amount. And then to watch it for amount. free, any any kid can grab an iPad and you know, yeah. accidentally get and it. And I'm not. That's not sour grapes for me as, as a retailer because oh, you can get it free when I want to sell it. It's nothing <laughs> to do with that. It's yeah. you know, I think what we do, I think is it is right. I think it's great that we are, we're licensed. I think we should be licensed. They should be, you know, a local camp. For instance, you can't just go and open a sex shop anywhere you want a licensed sex shop. You know, you have to apply for a license. It goes to a council committee. People can object to it. Yeah. You know, it's not everybody wants a sex shop next to a school or near a church or yeah. You know. Near, near a school run for instance which is one of the no-nos for the right. sex shops okay. so I think yeah it should be I think if you're selling that content you should be mindful and careful about where you're doing it yeah. so the fact that it's so freely available within a couple of clicks I think it's, it's, it's out there I think I yeah, can't yeah. but I think when they tried to do the age verification thing I thought that was a solution but obviously that you know Cameron came up with that I think originally 
about the age verification. Yeah. But that struggled to get through. Yeah. But to be fair, you know, if you're a young guy, you know about VPNs and they'll get around, they'll yeah. get around that yeah. anyway. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's the thing. The same, the same kind of tools you can watch to, you know, you can use like VPNs to watch, you know, Japanese cartoons are the same things that will help you get around and watch porn. Exactly. So, yeah, it's so we, hard could, to we could try and firewall it that way or rethink yeah. it, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah. you know, a young guy, 13, 14 years old, will know about VPNs and they'll yeah. get around it anyway. But I, I think the long-term effects for young men can be incredibly harmful. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a bit more about your shop. You've got two shops, right, in Brighton? Yeah, we've, we've got two. quite different um, vibes, right? They are very... Is that a pun you make? Is that another pun you make? <laughs> Not an intentional um, one, but we'll pretend it was. They are different vibes. We have Taboo, which is, I said, about the life yeah. shop. This is yeah. by Brighton Station. Now, and then we've got Lust, and Lust has been open for about 12 years now. So the okay. reason why Lust came around was because when I first opened Taboo by the station, I had mates of mine, and I said, why don't you pop in and come and say hello to me? And I went, no, I'm too embarrassed. I'm not going to go to the shop. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. And I was kind of completely desensitized from it. I walk in and out of that shop all the time. I didn't think twice about it. But then I thought, well, yeah, maybe some people are embarrassed. They don't yeah. want to walk into I this, definitely this was, shop. Considering I, like, you I, I found out about it through your wife Kalandra who was on the podcast yeah. I have a podcast yeah. about sex and she was telling me to go and I went and I was still like kind of nervous didn't really want to go still in still nervous yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm like I think I'm quite a sexually open person I've got a fucking podcast about it but even I was like oh this feels a bit dodgy yeah you're kind of <laughs> looking around to see that you know, like some of your friends family or yeah, someone's yeah, going to yeah. see you going in or whatever <laughs> so I, re- I thought well if that's the case then we potentially are losing customers who yeah. want to buy a sex toy yeah. or want to buy some lingerie or want to buy some yeah. latex or whatever so so I came up with the, the concept of Lust, which was a shop that didn't look so obviously like a sex shop. So we sell kind of quirky gifts and funky kind of homeware in the front part of the shop. Obviously, the name Lust is, is a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't obviously, it's not an embarrassing shop to walk in. That was, yeah. that, that was the one thing I had to do. So then once they walk in the door and they'll look at the kind of funky, cool stuff in the front part of the shop, they'll walk further into the shop. And that's where we sell sex toys, lingerie, and all yeah. kinds of other items. We don't sell the uh, the pool in Lust because it's not a licensed shop. Right. So it's, it's a cool shop and, I, and and it's worked really well. The concept and the business model has worked really well. And it's in sort of the prime a prime area in Brighton, right? It's not off the beaten track. It's in lanes, isn't it? Yeah, of course. So it's in the North Lane. So what, yeah. there's a particular example. For instance, so Taboo, which is the licensed shop, is tucked away by Brighton Station. If yeah. I try to get a sex shop license to sell port, the same shop yeah. as, the, as we do by Brighton Station, the council probably wouldn't allow it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's in a busy thoroughfare with families going to, up and down. Yeah. We wouldn't get it. I wouldn't want the license there. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. I wouldn't want that. The last is a, is a completely different brand you know very sex positive very very female friendly it's probably more of a girly shop than anything else yeah but yeah no we're really pleased with it and it's worked really well probably worth mentioning that you were on channel four talking about it as well showing off what you do yeah very british sex shop yeah it's still <laughs> so on like demand right like, if anyone wants to watch it it's still on demand it's channel4.com you can if you just search for a very british sex shop it's like sort of like the osbournes with dildos <laughs> and uh <laughs> It was kind of like we did a tester for them about four or five years ago. Yeah. At that time, Channel 4 decided there was a bit, a little bit too much sex on, on the channel at the time. Right. Yeah. And then they came back to us again two bit years ago and said, look, do you want to do this again? And we had some ideas around the show and we filmed away. We filmed for 
something like six or seven weeks. We did a huge amount of filming yeah. every day, every day of the week, and they have to do that because obviously they want to capture those little TV gold moments. Yeah, but it was it was a great experience. Obviously, it's done us you know huge favors as far as the business. That's great. Yeah, well, it, it paints you in a really good light, which I'm sure wasn't very hard. Do you know what, Jamie? I think what was most important is it showed the general public the people that are behind sex shops. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know I think it showed a family, but behind that business where people don't think oh, it's what a family business in that yeah, industry yeah, yeah. and I think it desensitizes the whole thing about sex shops dodgy shady people that are, that are involved in but to be fair you know 20, 30 years ago they were but you know um, nowadays not so much alright there you go where should people go to find you then they should, I mean apart from Brighton and the shops <laughs> they can find us online with uh, taboo.co.uk mm-hmm. and lust.co.uk cool there you go would recommend all right that's all we have time for today thank you so much for listening it really really means a lot to me that you have got out your way to come and listen to me talk to people about their sex stories <laughs> um if you like what we're doing go check us a follow on let's talk about sex jamie on instagram uh tell your friends about us leave a review on itunes all that stuff that people with podcasts say at the end basically um yeah it really means a lot that you listen and hope to see you next week love you bye